If you have a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 11 through 18. And if you don't have a Bible, it's right here on the screen in front of you. Let me read this passage to you. I'll read it nice and slow as you open it up. This is really a continuation of what Omar had read in the very beginning. It says here, it says, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the feet of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied. I don't know where they had put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Listen to the same question that, that Jesus asked that the angels asked. He, he says, Dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, If you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and I will get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabbanai, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them. Now this is so key. I've read, this, I've read this passage hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. He says, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. To my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And she gave them His message. Let me just take two minutes and explain this, this passage to you. As we know, we are here for, for Resurrection Sunday. And why did Mary go to the tomb? Mary went to the tomb along with the other disciples. If you read all of the, of the Gospels, you see that not only Mary went, but other women went and, and, the, and some of the disciples went. And they all went there because on that Friday, which we now call Good Friday, which to each one of these individuals was the worst day of their life and yet we call it Good Friday. Jesus, because it was the beginning of Passover, was not given a proper burial. He wasn't. He was lowered, and He was given to a man who He put into His grave. And He and and Nicodemus, remember Nicodemus from John 3? The one who went out to find Jesus? They quickly embalmed Jesus, and they wrapped Him, and they put Him in the grave because they only had a short time to do so. And so, Jesus was never given a funeral. He was never given that procession. He never had the opportunity for someone to stand up on the rock or in the temple and and share all the amazing things about this man's life. But instead, he was just brought to a tomb, put in there, sealed, and these people were told to go away. And so that Saturday, there was nothing they could do. Nothing they could do. They had to go to the Passover meal. They had to gather with family. They had to be with friends. They had to be in their community of their neighborhood. But when that Sunday came, what had happened was 
first thing in the morning, they wanted to give Jesus a proper burial. And so Mary and some women, some of the disciples on different occasions, they all kind of wandered there to give Jesus the proper burial. Matter of fact, when, when, when they went, they actually brought everything to embalm the body properly. And so when they went, Mary went in and she was so broken. Have you ever lost that person that you love so much that, that it's not about a, a two-week get over it, almost like we're told to do in this. In our culture, we have basically two weeks to mourn and then we're done. And then you've got to get over it and if you don't, then something's wrong with you. But, but in other cultures, you are given months to mourn. You are given time to mourn. If you are a widow, you are given years to mourn. If you are a widower, you are given years to mourn. If you lose a sibling, each person is so significant that people say, just leave them alone. Let them heal. Let them grieve. Because when we grieve, what we actually do is we recognize our love for that individual. When you go to a funeral or you go to a funeral home and you weep over them and you weep at the loss of them, what you are basically saying is, I love them. And so Mary went in and the tomb was open and she peeked in. I mean, how scary is that? Imagine showing up to a graveyard to honor your loved one and the tomb was open. The ground was open. How, how freaky would that be? I mean, think about that image of kind of putting your head in there to see if the casket was still there. Isn't that kind of creepy? So think about that. They're going to step into, she's going to step into this tomb. And she sees that Jesus' body is gone. But there's two angels, one at his head and one at his feet. And they ask the most stupid, ridiculous question known to man. Why are you crying? Um, stub my toe. And she's like, my, my Lord, he's gone. I remember when I was little, I was in the basement running on the treadmill and uh, we had a treadmill and our ceilings were like six something. So my head went between the beams and I would run. I'd be like, Lord, no, please, please. I'm like, <laughs> I remember Becky thought that I left. I, she thought that daddy was vanished. He was gone. And all of a sudden I hear this, daddy. And I remember this deep cry. I could, I could actually start crying now. And I quickly like, almost fell off the treadmill, pressed stop as I was going down and I ran and I grabbed her. And she thought, I thought you were gone. I thought someone taking you. How are you going to take a 6'5 guy who can beat the pulp out of anyone? <laughs> right? Or so I think. But I remember that pain that she had. I remember that deep cry, that sorrow that she felt. And when I think about this passage, that's all I can equate it to. That's the only way that I can, can kind of like figure out what is that feeling. It's that feeling of my little girl having this sense that her father is gone forever. And all of a sudden, she turns around and there's another person. And we often ask, like, why didn't she recognize Jesus right away? Why didn't she recognize it? Come on, like, you spent, like, how many, how much time did you spend with this guy? You anointed him with oil. You did all, you saw all these amazing things. You ate meals with him. How did you not recognize him? But if you know anything about the crucifixion that Jesus went through, he was unrecognizable. 
His flesh was torn from him. No bone was broken, but his flesh was torn from him. If you've watched the Passion of the Christ, that is a a snippet of what could have happened. A snippet of what that would have looked like. A snippet of it, of of this thing catching him and ripping him, and, and and he looked deformed on that cross. And she was so taken away, so taken back that her, her tears filled her eyes that she couldn't see through her tears. And all she said is, they've taken Him. He's gone. But it was His voice that she recognized. His voice that she recognized. And here's what Jesus said to her. That I'm ascending to my Father and your Father. Remember, Mary, how I told you that my God is your God? My Heavenly Father is your Heavenly Father? I'm going back to Him for us. And here's what I want you to do is I want you to go tell the disciples this I am going back to our Father who art in heaven. Holy is His name. I am going back to our God, the Creator of the universe, go and tell them this message. And so Mary left to go tell them the good news. Now think about this word, good news. When you like something, you say, yeah, that was good. Right? So how was the game last night? It was good. How was that date the other night? Eh, it was pretty good. How'd you do in school this semester? Yeah, I did pretty good. We look at the word good and we don't even take what it really means. This wasn't good news. This wasn't like, yeah, it was pretty cool that Jesus raised from the dead. This was awesome news. Go tell my disciples this stellar news. Go tell your disciples this rad news. Like, remember that back in the day? These words, like, what does that what does that mean? Go tell the disciples this epic news. Go tell them the most greatest thing that's ever happened on the face of the earth that I am not dead. I am risen. I am alive. That's what Jesus had done. And I love how in the beginning of Luke chapter 4, let me just read this passage to you. This was the mission of Jesus Christ. The very beginning of His mission, He went into a place that people knew Him. They recognized Him. They knew Him as a child. And He went up there and He opened a scroll. And this is what He read. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For He has anointed me to bring good, awesome, stellar, rad news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. You know what they did to Him when He, did, when he said this? You know what happened? He did a miracle and they pulled him out and they were going to stone him and kill him. That's the scenario. And from his beginning of his ministry, he always embraced his identity as God's son. 
And that is the good news. That He came to set the oppression free. And the thing that we like, that He came to help the poor, right? Those people over there. He came to give the blind sight. He came to give the captives set to be set free, but, but too often we think of those different than us. But I'll tell you right now, in all of our lives, we are captive to something. Not captivated, but captive, prisoner to something. It could be as deep as anxiety and worry. It could be materialism. It could be pride. It could be a physical ailment. It could be a financial crisis. But in some way, we can be captive to ourselves. You ever been captive to yourself? But Jesus came to set us free from every form of bondage that we can be held in. Some are physical. Some are material. Some are financial. Some are emotional. But the whole purpose of Jesus' life was that every single one in this room and every single person in Mawa and Ramsey and Midland Park and Wyckoff and Hawthorne and Africa and Tanzania and Tajikistan and everywhere in this world that we do not have to be controlled by the power of sin and death no more. That's what Jesus came to do. But let me change my message up right here. Because for the last week or two, I've had a different message for this morning. And all of a sudden, God did something very special in my heart last night. When I was thinking about Easter, it's one of those times that we come and we celebrate. And and hopefully, Pastor Rob will give a really good, feel-good message. Sending us out. To go party with our relatives. And you should. You guys should party hard today. Love the ones you're with. Go be with them. Go be Jesus. Go be present. But when you think about the life of Jesus Christ, you have to come back to four days before He died. You have to. Because Jesus came to set us free from the power of sin and death. No strings attached. There's nothing we can do to prove ourselves to God. Let me tell you that. There is nothing you can do to prove yourself to God except for one thing. Believe in the name of Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That is the most simplest form of the Gospel. Believe in Jesus Christ and you shall be saved from the penalty of sin and death. And you have the opportunity and the privilege to no longer be living captive by anything. Does this mean you will be perfect? No. But in a broken, messed up world, you have the power of Jesus Christ who wants to live and dwell in you. That in every single moment that some form of 
captive, being captive by something, some form of bondage, some kind of prison that just wants to wrap you up in the moment of anxiety, in the moment of worry, in the moment of pride, in the moment of fear, in the moment of a drink, in the morning, in the moment of a drug, in the moment of, of, of lust. You have a moment. I believe this with all my soul. That you do not have to be held captive. And let me give you two quick reasons why. Luke twenty-two forty-two. Listen to this cry of Jesus' heart. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. It says when Jesus was praying, his tears and his sweat were without a blood. And this is a true element that, that happens to people when they're so stressed out and, and so anxious, almost to the point of death. Usually this happens to soldiers who are on the verge of death. Usually this is, this is a true, true thing. But I'll never forget that when one of our children were very, very sick. Do you remember this? Remember this? One of our children were, were so sick. I don't remember which one it was. It was all three of them? They were, oh wow. Okay. Three out of four. We didn't have four then, we had three. We're so sick that when they were crying, blood came out of their eyes. I kid you not. They were so sick, they were sweating. Mommy, mommy, mommy. I'm like, here, here. You want mommy, not daddy? Here. That literally blood was coming out of their eyes. They were in such a place of pain and sorrow and anxiety and fear. You can't tell me that in this passage, and this is where we totally lessen who Jesus was, that he did not have fear. He did not have anxiety. He did not have worry. And you can't tell me that in this passage that Jesus did not want to go to the grave. He did not. Can we read that? You know, please, Jesus, Daddy, Abba, please, Take this from me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through the next 24 hours of what I have been told by you, of what the prophet wrote down. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to. But if it's your will, then it's mine. Now here's the beautiful thing about this passage. That's the beautiful thing about this passage. The only reason we have liberty from the power of sin and death it's because of Christ's obedience. Because of Christ's obedience. Now think about this. This was right before that he confronted his disciples of who was going to betray him and deny him. This, I'm sorry, right after. Right after. So we had the conversation, this happened, and then everything just kind of fell right into place as we read. This is after giving his life up for other people. This is after pouring his life into others. This is after laying down everything. Everything that these people had came through Jesus. How many times in your life when someone has disappointed you, you're like, forget you, God. I ain't being obedient. So sick of serving other people. I'm so sick of it being about everyone else. I'm so sick of giving my all and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden people leave me and desert me. Forget this. 
You see, that's what Adam did in the garden. In the garden of Eden, Adam came to a place where it became so much about Eve that he bit the apple. And yet Jesus, and all Eve did was make him attracted to her. But yet in this moment, he knew what was going to happen. He knew I was going to be denied. He knew he was going to be betrayed. And in obedience, he went to the cross of Jesus Christ for us. I've been thinking about that over the last couple days. When I live my life the way that I believe that I'm called to and I, and I live in such a way of an obedience that, that when things don't work out my way, I want to sin. I want to go be stupid. Anyone ever feel that way? You get so angry, you just want to go out and be stupid. Right? You just want to go do something you're not supposed to do. Just to kind of like, I'll show him. I'll show her. I'll show the people that think that they're over me. I'll show them who's wearing the big boy pants. I'll show them who's in charge. I'll show that no one's in control of Rob. And I'm so thankful that over the last so many years, that one of the things that he has challenged me with is obedience. Okay, Rob, it's really about you, isn't it, cowboy? But when you look at the Easter story, it began with his obedience. It began with his obedience in Luke chapter 4 and it continued in Luke 22. Then all of a sudden it went to a place. Let me read this passage to you. This, just this little verse. Matthew 27, 46. Listen to this. This is not a like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? Isn't that kind of how we read that? You have to have some kind of like holy voice that totally didn't work for me right now, right? But you feel like you're supposed to be like, ha, ha, ha. I mean, think about what it says. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Forsaken, really? He said forsaken. Why have you left me? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you left me stranded? And all of a sudden, for Jesus' complete obedience, he had to come to a point where God had to turn his back on this sinful world because he could not see or bear the pain of it. And in that moment, I was thinking about this this morning. When God had his back turned turn away from Jesus, I think in that moment, Jesus knew more what it meant to be human than any other time. I truly believe that in that moment, on the cross, where he knew that his father had to turn his eyes from the sin of the world. He knew what it meant to be human more than any other time in his life. Temptation is temptation. But feeling abandoned and rejected is a whole other issue.
If you've ever been abandoned by someone or rejected by someone, if you've ever been abandoned by a group of people, betrayed or denied, if you've ever gone through something that has been so difficult, there's no lonelier place. My cousin was adopted. I just thought of this now. My cousin was adopted. And his adopted mother passed away and he walked into the room and he found his adopted mom dead on the floor. His adopted father was a nightmare. He actually was a minister. Total jerk. Total loser. Treated his kids like garbage. His wife dies. He remarries. Marty's a little crazy. Really crazy. And his adopted father, who said that he was going to be the reflection of his heavenly father, kicked him out of his house. So he came to live with the Parkers, and we had a lot of boys in that house at that time. A lot of testosterone, a lot of black eyes, and a lot of wedgies. And my parents approached Marty. And they said, we want to we adopt you. We want to make you ours. Marty couldn't handle it. He was abandoned one time, and he couldn't handle that. Such a, such a pain would happen again. Matter of fact, he was abandoned two times by his mom and father, and then by his earthly father again. And I talked to his girlfriend. He was actually murdered. Um, and I talked to his girlfriend at the time. And he said, she said, Rob, she said, that moment when your parents asked him to be adopted for a second time, he couldn't handle it. He cracked. He couldn't deal with the loss of something else again. When I think about the, Christ, the Easter story, this is where we see the true obedience of Jesus Christ on the cross. Because as he was screaming this, what were they doing? They were taunting him. Come on down. Come on, prove yourself. Let's see how much God really loves you. Come on, do a special miracle. Do something. Wow us. Prove to us. And the whole time, what did he say? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Where are you? Where are you? Why? But this is the beauty of the story. The narrative. The truth of Jesus Christ. Is that to the point of death, Jesus was obedient. And he knew that when the, his father turned his back to him, that it was the fulfillment of everything that God had in store. Because in moments, he was going to be present with his father. And so many of us, including Rob Parker, including Reverend Rob Parker, Let's put all the titles on it to make them sound a little better, a little more spiritual, including Reverend Dr. Rob Parker. <laughs> feels this. And what blows my mind is this. That there are times that we feel that God has abandoned us. And just like Jesus, he never did. 
But maybe in those moments of our dark souls, maybe in those moments where we're like, I just keep praying. I keep reading. I keep searching. I keep worshiping. I keep showing up. I keep doing those things that maybe in those moments, what God is doing is saying, I have you more than ever because I'm allowing you to go through something that's going to show the true power of who I am. I'm about to teach you the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I'm going to show you that you think I'm not here, but I am present Always. And in this crisis, you're not being strengthened by yourself. You're being strengthened with the Spirit that I've already put inside you so that you can get through this and come out better. Because what happened to Jesus? He came out better. He came out perfect. He came out whole. He came out right. He came out so beautiful and gorgeous that Mary did not recognize Him. Wow, that gardener was handsome. And here's what I really believe this message is. And praise God for the Spirit of God because this is totally not me. I believe just as the Gospel is, Christ died for our sins just as the Scripture said. He was buried and He was raised from the dead on the third day just as Scripture said. I believe that every man, woman, child, no matter what's going on in their life, they have the ability to receive the good news gospel. They have the opportunity to be set free from those things that cap- put them in captive in prison. Those things, those addictions, those emotions, those personalities, those outside forces. I believe that Jesus sets us all free if we want to. He came for all, but only some receive it. Do you know he said that? Only, only many will believe in my name. But I came for all. 1 Peter chapter 3. He desires that no man perish. But in that, when we receive this power in us, that when we really understand who Jesus is, our sanctifier, our Savior, our healer, our coming King, that when we see His obedience, when we see what He goes through, and when we say that, we say, I want to be like Jesus. What would Jesus do? When we say all these things, there comes a point where we say, no matter what's going on in my life, and this is totally for someone. I don't know who this is for. No matter what's going on in your life, in your obedience, God is showing up. That in that moment that you feel that you are abandoned and you've been let go, that right now that God is not watching from a distance, but God actually has a perfect plan that everything you're going through, that if you hang in there just like Jesus did on the cross, boom, what you're going to have, you are going to have breakthrough in a mighty, powerful way. I'm serious. Otherwise, this stuff is garbage. May I say it? This stuff's junk. I might as well smash my iPad and run away. Why are we wasting our time on a Sunday morning when we can be hiking up in Ramapo? Why? Because I believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe that the moment that I recognized that I needed a Savior to to rescue my my darkened, dirty, nasty, selfish soul, that He came in and He rescued me. And finally, I had peace in my life. Finally. Finally. 
finally, there are moments that my life is like, ADD, 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 ADD. All these different things. No tapping your husband next to you. In that, in that, there are moments that I have this peace that just empowers me that, wow. And what God has been telling me is, Rob, hold on. I'm strengthening you. I'm empowering you. You are so different than you used to be. And you know what I'm about to do, Rob? I'm about to give you resurrection life more so than I did in 1991. More so than I did in 1998. And more so I've done all along the way that in this moment, there is a huge resurrection that is coming that you're going to see my power more powerful than ever before. And that's where we come to Easter. And we don't, we don't worship ourselves. We don't worship our obedience. We don't worship what we do. We don't worship what we have. But we look to the heavens and say, I worship you. I worship you because of your obedience, because of your willingness. Philippians chapter 2. He became like us. He became a servant and a slave. He was beaten for our transgressions. Isaiah 53. Do you know when I became a Christian? I, forget, I thought Daniel, Daniel was, the, was the guy who killed Goliath. I thought David was the one who was thrown in the lion's den. I didn't know this Jesus guy. Now all of a sudden, I'm having a rough day. and Boom, things are popping up in me. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And today, get your eyes off yourself and look at the Easter message. It is stellar news. Amen? Amen. Seriously, amen? This is one of those moments this Easter moment, it's like a ceremony. You're standing before your bride. Come here, Hadi. You're standing before, before them. And you're like, I'm giving you my life till death do us part. I'll give you everything. I'll give you everything. And we do the same thing to our Savior. Everything. That's the Easter message. And if you think I'm full of bull, you don't know me. For God so loves the world. Do you know what I love about the plant? I'm going to wrap it up right here. How cool is this that God did this morning? Isn't that cool? I didn't sit down and write it all out. There's nothing written here. How cool is that? He says, Rob, this is what I want you to feel first. This is what I want you to wrestle with. This is what I love about the plant. We are beautiful, messy people. And until the church comes to a place that they're willing to be beautifully messy people, they will never understand the power of Jesus Christ. Do you know that? Until we recognize ourselves that we are like Peter, we are like Judas, we are like all these people, we will never experience the power of Jesus Christ. I want to wish you a happy Easter. Because the Easter message is the happiest, greatest message on the face of this earth. No matter where you are in this moment, 
no matter where you are on your journey of faith or not on your journey of faith, God loves you. And he doesn't care how broken you are. He doesn't care how prideful you are. He doesn't care how angry you are. He doesn't care what you did last night or what you said this morning or what you're thinking right now. He loves you and He's going to hunt you down so that you would know the power of His death and resurrection so you can experience the peace that Mary felt that moment at the grave. Amen? We're going to go into the Lord's Supper. We do this every time. I love this. Never get bored of it. Shame on, the, shame on us Protestants for doing it once a month. How does, the, how does the communion table ever get boring? Every time we come to this table, we remember his death and resurrection. Every single time. Every single time. We did it Thursday. We did it Friday. We're doing it today. Every time. Jesus, you broke your body. You shed your blood for me. So here's what I want us to do. We're going to go right into communion. Let me invite the band to come forward. And all I want you to do, I'm just going to say, Happy Easter. And if the power of Jesus is in you, just say Happy Easter to you. Let's celebrate Easter together. Amen? You, go ho- you get back to your seats. You eat and you drink. We're going to go right into a second worship song. We want this to be a little segment of worship. And then we're going to wrap it up after that. Let's make this the greatest Easter morning we've ever had. Let's believe in the death and the resurrection and the power of Jesus Christ. Let's go to places and be that, to know Him and make Him known. Not because what we do or what we say, but because who we are. Awesome. Awesome.